I'm not an adult, so I don't have the experience of adult or like, I guess you could like, I don't get the respect of adult, but at the same time, I'm doing a lot more than a lot of the adults I know. Like you said, like people worship us for talking out about these things and doing what we do, leading these protests, being a part of the community and letting Kenosha know what we need to do and what needs to be done. But then when time comes around and we're talking in a group of older people, oh, she's a kid. Oh, they're kids. Oh, they're juniors. Hi, I'm Ankita Verma, and you're listening to Gen BIPOC. Gen BIPOC is a podcast where I talk to young people who identify as Black, Indigenous, or people of color about their lives, dreams, and vulnerabilities. Today I'm chatting with Alana Carmichael and Heaven Williams, and Alana and Heaven are two of the four founders of Equitines Kenosha. And Equitines is a group that was created for teen activists in Kenosha after George Floyd was killed in May. Equitines has had a hand in planning protests in Kenosha, organizing supply drops, and using their social media accounts to share information and updates to their followers. Today we'll hear a little bit from Alana and Heaven about the creation of Equitines, some of the work they've been up to, and how their work changed after Jacob Blake was shot in Kenosha in August. My name is Heaven Williams. I am a junior at Indian Trail High School and Academy. I'm in the Medical Sciences Academy. I am 16 years old. I play two sports, volleyball, and I run track. I'm part of different clubs like student council. I'm actually an officer. I am a student council treasurer. Um, I have three siblings. They're my best friends. And that's basically it. My name is Alana Carmichael. I am 16 years old. I go to Indian High School. I'm doing online right now because of the pandemic. I also run track and field with Hev, and I have three brothers, three sisters, and my two cousins are currently staying with us right now, so they're kind of like another brother and another sister, <laughs> and yeah. So I was about to say, I remember high school completely sucking. Does it still suck? What's it like these days? Oh, man. Honestly... It's just so weird. Like, I've never been in a class and it's just silent all the time. Like, people don't even have the energy to talk anymore. The class will get in trouble for talking. And it's honestly like we're both doing virtual when you think about it because, like, virtual students log on to Google Meet and then they get, like, put on the board and basically we're all together, if that makes sense. So it's honestly all virtual-led and it's really weird and it's just kind of... It honestly wastes a lot of class time. Like today, my teacher, she had to like, got booted out of her Google Meets like three times. Yeah. And the internet's so slow. It's horrible. <laughs> oh my God. The internet. It's like really funny to watch kids at school, like talking to the teacher and stuff and the kids at home not being able to literally hear the teacher. So everyone's smile be like, yeah, we can't hear you. Or they're like, <laughs> or something like that. Like literally... I want to say it was Tuesday or yeah, it was Tuesday. We were logging on to something that they're called. It's like Hawk time. I think it's advisory technically. And our teacher didn't even open the Google meet marked all of us absent. And when everybody was like emailing her and stuff, she's like, Oh yeah, I forgot to update the Google meet. I thought none of you showed up. And so it's like, we missed a whole class. What? Yes. And I could have just kept going to sleep, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it yeah, is really I had to bad. get up for the class and then she wasn't even there. So it's really I yeah. I'm so stressed. <laughs> it's definitely stressful. What? On top of that, they switched our classes. So now we have 100 minute classes. Last year we only had 15 minute classes. So honestly, we have two classes in the time of one class. So we have AB scheduling now. It's really it's really really hard for me to get used to. Like I just cannot sit in the class for 100 minutes. Like that is insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember, so I graduated high school in 2013, so a little over seven years ago. Oh, God, I'm old. Um, And uh, halfway through my time in high school, they switched to block scheduling. And, like, none of our teachers really knew how to teach for an hour and a half straight. Like, I felt like we just kind of, like, sat there for half of the time. They were like, oh, you can just have work time. And it was just a mess. So I can't imagine adjusting to that 
while having half of your students online, Absolutely. while also not realizing that you have to update Google Meet links if you want your students to actually attend class, <laughs> to also being like, oh, yeah, like some people are testing positive for their virus. I guess we'll send just 250 students home. For what? I don't. Okay. Anyway, so I see that common sense is still lacking um, all over the place. Everywhere. But, um, Something that I know that you two are also both involved in is Equitines. And the first time I heard of it was after Jacob Blake was shot. I saw that your Instagram post was going around. And so I was wondering if you could start by talking a little bit about the inception of Equitines, kind of how that started, how it's grown in the past several months. So Equitines started out as just um, about 12 teenagers and we were planning a protest after George Floyd had died and after our protest not everybody was kind of like ready to just be like an organization like with a name and a purpose and like you know momentum so four of us split off me heaven um Sophia and Meredith our two other I guess co-starters of Equitines we split off and we created Equitines which had like a million other names first oh my god yes (laughs) And then, um, yeah, we started planning more official events and stuff like that, and it kind of took off. And honestly, I want to say, like, Equitines really was able to be Equitines because we saw that we wanted to do a protest, but Meredith is like, I don't know, I don't even know how to explain it. She's like the person that keeps us sane because she's oh always gosh, like, she guys, is. how do we make this legal? Like, how do we do this with all the proper <laughs> precautions? Like, she's the one who's always like, really strict on things like that that me and Alana would just be like no let's do it now or Sophia too we're all just like really want to do it now but Mary's like let's actually think this through before we do that so that's why we had our <laughs> Juneteenth protest so late after everything had happened because we, one we wanted it on a significant historical date and then two we wanted it also to be um have all the precautions that needed for the most people to show up as possible unlike a lot of pop-up protests and just to make sure everyone was safe was our biggest concern mm-hmm. that makes sense And so what has the reaction been from some of your classmates or people in school about Equitines, about the increased involvement in protests and activism in general? Have you heard anything that's either been surprisingly supportive or unsupportive? I haven't heard. Honestly, I thought I'd hear more, not because I'm like, oh, my God, like, you know, everybody knows me. It was more like um, (laughs) everybody has (laughs) everybody has a lot of opinions about it. So I thought like. They would come and be like, oh, I think this or I think that. And then, you know, there's people who disagree with our cause and stuff like that. And honestly, like, kind of like what Heaven said, nobody has the energy, I feel like, to just bring it up or to argue about Mm -hmm. things because I'm not afraid to argue with anybody and everybody knows that now. So Mm -hmm. sometimes it's more like, is it worth bringing it up and arguing with her or is it worth, like, you know, spending so much energy on? We can barely hear each other through Zoom as it is. So and google me so it's i haven't heard much i some people have texted me about it and asked me for doing any like during school events but you know nobody has the time yeah and the, oh, another thing is um when we're at things such as like protests we all protest together so when we go to protests and stuff like that people recognize us because you know what like that's the crowd i guess you can say but like when we get to school it's kind of like like alana said a lot of people have different opinion difference in opinions because they believe that people dying is a political issue for one And then people just have a lot of forms of ideas and they think that what we're trying to do is negative when we're really just trying to bring awareness to a really, really important topic. There's a couple of people that have told us like older, I guess you can say, that have been like, oh my God, you guys are, I can't believe you guys are juniors. Like this is so good for you guys. But like, I feel like people our age just don't want to, I don't want to say grow up, but I don't think people our age want to grow up and actually see Mm -hmm. the problem for what it is, if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And how does that make you feel considering that like you like haven't really had the option to not be aware of this? It's a yeah. really good arguing point. <laughs> it's it is it's definitely good cuz people, you know, being able to ignore politics and <clears throat> political decisions stuff like that, it's definitely like a huge privilege. Like as women of color, like we don't have that option because yeah. things that mm-hmm happen and get passed and stuff like that directly affect us like in our everyday lives so when you know a like one of my white peers is like oh yeah I don't care about politics or oh yeah like 
your whatever you're doing is not enough and all this stuff. It's like, well, yeah, you have like the privilege to say that because none of this stuff is actually affecting you. You might be uncomfortable in like the noise that we've created, but watching them just like be able to totally blow it off. It's, it's honestly, it's part sad and it's part like infuriating because it's like, well, why do you have that option and I don't? But it's also like, I, I don't want to say I enjoy fighting because I don't enjoy it. It's like necessary. But I think what I like is like the community that, you know, Mm -hmm. activism has like kind of brought to us because you meet all these new people, all these new like faces and in a world where like social media and popularity is so huge, you meet these people who are like Mm -hmm. super popular and they're just so down to earth and so like real with you. And it's honestly, it's like a really, really cool experience. Exactly. And like you were saying, like us not having the choice, like imagine waking up and being like, you know what, I'm just going to ignore all these issues today. (laughs) That doesn't happen. Like this is literally our life. And for people to say like, it's crazy to think, but like for Equitines, like the amount of messages and DMs we get from like people who just don't support it. And they're like trying to make it out to be like a terrorist group. Like it's just literally crazy. Yeah. It's the things we get on this page for us to be juniors is crazy. And it kind of made us open our eyes to see and really be like, well, we want to do this. So if this is what you guys are going to do, we're just going to block it, delete it, have a nice day. Like we literally had to like set those standards for ourselves. Cause like Alana said, we will all argue about this issue to like <laughs> anyone. And it's just something so near and dear to all of our hearts that we feel like everyone, right. we just want everyone to understand that's our problem. So that's why we are so willing to argue about this. And it's honestly, in, like you said, in, infuriating, like why wouldn't we be angry for the things that are going on? You know? Mm -hmm. especially when so many folks are trying to make a political issue out of a moral one it's like this isn't something that you vote for on the ballot (laughs) like (laughs) i yeah and also i want to point out it's crazy how a lot of our black male peers ignoring this and like being like oh i don't get into politics oh it's really like basically saying it's not worth their time to understand to know or to even try to learn and like educate themselves. Like if you ask some of the people in Kenosha, who even is George Floyd, who is Breonna Taylor, who is Jacob Blake, they'll literally would not have a clue. And that's so sad. Wait, there are people in Kenosha who would not know who Jacob Blake is. It just literally boils my blood. I feel like there's high schoolers at least that just don't care to learn the name. They would probably Mm -hmm. missay it. Oh yeah. So they, they were like, oh, something big happened here, but they wouldn't know what. Yeah. Or they wouldn't make the time to understand what happened. Wow, it is so disappointing to hear you say that how many people don't care. Or to be honest, probably wouldn't even be able to tell you what happened to them or why. Or they'll probably try to justify that it wasn't police brutality. Wow. Yeah. Going back to what you mentioned about Black men not being as involved or caring as much, what do you think the reasons for that are? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alana, you want to take on that one? <laughs> Alana has a whole well, speech about this one. In my opinion, and from what I've seen, like the most, so has so much to do with bowing down to their white friends. Like these people will let their friends, you know, say the n word in front of them. They let them like like call them names. They let them like make fun of like how dark they mm-hmm. are. And they don't see that it probably stems from like the like a deep seated like self hatred and so it like projects into their everyday lifestyle so like you know girls and advocism or is that that's the right word right advocism activism <laughs> yeah it has a lot to do with that stuff so and watching it just like cuz i've seen it happen like you know face to face and you're like wondering like why are you like letting it happen and it's just it's something that they've gotten so used to and if they were to like stand up for themselves they were being like oh over emotional or like you know weak or something like I don't know why they like think of like standing up for themselves or like fighting for something that isn't like superficial like girls and like drugs and stuff like that and like it's like oh you call me a bitch like I'm gonna beat you up like all that stuff they will go to the grave for, but the second you're like, oh, hey, you're like, fight for your life, fight for, like, your black community, right? It's like, no. And it's like, yikes, man. Like, why do you hate your people? And honestly, it really, really, really opened a lot of their eyes when it hit home. 
And I will give them that. They, a lot of them did start speaking up, but a lot of them still did not. And I'm not going to lie. There's a really good group of guys that we have here that always try to like let them know. And they're like, hey, like you're literally black. You need to speak out against this. Like, why are you not? What is the issue? I truly will never understand if your mom can be black, your dad can be black, your grandma can be black, your grandpa can be black, you can be black, and you still don't want to speak out about social injustice against black people in America. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't add up to me. And 100%, you can have your own preference. You can like whatever you want to like, but please don't let your preference discourage you from speaking out about the social injustice in America. Mm -hmm. Especially because silence is complicity. Exactly. But a more recent example that I wanted to bring up is with the hysterectomies happening at the border. I assumed that the doctor or doctors conducting those surgeries would be white until I found out that it was an Indian American doctor who was performing the operations. And it's like, it's always your own people (laughs) that disappoint you where it cuts the most. (laughs) It's like, what? (laughs) Yeah. And I literally, I was just researching about that today and I looked at the last name and I was like, yeah, I was wrong. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, yeah, there's a part of me too that's like, how could you not fight for people who are in the same position that you were once in, who wanted a better life, who wanted to seek a different opportunity based on the conditions they were in and the country where they grew up? Like, no one leaves their home because they want to. Yeah, I mean, I'm, and this crazy thing is, when I saw that post, wasn't even surprised. Mm-hmm. Like, I was not surprised at all. At this point, it's just one thing after another. Things not being done. People getting treated inhumanely for literally coming to have a better life. Like, at this point, they cannot do anything much worse. <laughs> or I would, at this point, I expect anything from them. Anything. Yeah. Another day in 2020, honestly. Going back to activism in Kenosha specifically, there has been an increased amount of media attention that Kenosha has been getting. And something that's been in the news a lot is framing protests as riots. There are more people, increasingly it seems every day, that are believing that protests are violent. So what are some things that the media has reported that you have found inaccurate or that you'd want to correct? Almost everything. Pretty much. (laughs) First of all, let's get to the unpeaceful. Okay. Me and Alana probably went out... Every single day after the day that Jacob Blake was shot, going to pop a protest. We went together till one. We went separate to a whole bunch of other ones. Like we were just out every single, like those whole seven nights, I believe it was, or however many nights it was, we just found a protest and we went. I went with my mom a couple of times. I went walking a couple of times and literally nothing. The most dangerous thing that happened was people walking so close together because of the pandemic going on. That was the most dangerous thing that was happening. And then you get to the night and then you have Kyle Rittenhouse come here from Illinois and then everything goes bonkers. Like, I truly don't believe that Kenosha citizens would burn down something so important. Because if you live here, you know Uptown, like, oh my God, they, thank God they didn't touch that family dollar. Like, people really 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 invest their livelihoods on that strip uptown is so important to kenosha and for it to just be tarnished burned to the ground like a hundred percent i would never believe that someone from kenosha did that and it's so easy because not believe that because kyle rittenhouse was able to come down here with a weapon underage stay here not get arrested here even though he's here after curfew and then go back. I will always ask someone to make it make sense because it will never make sense to me. Could you both talk a little bit about the significance of Uptown and Kenosha and what it is for listeners who might not know? Yeah, Uptown is probably the biggest Black community that there is in Kenosha. Obviously, the West Side is pretty much just subdivisions and like white people and stuff like that. But Uptown is where most... People who live down there, it's where they get their food because there's almost like no grocery stores close to that area. So, you know, the Dollar General and all that stuff, it's where they get like hair care products, their skin products, like hygienics and stuff like that. That's all down there. Uptown Beauty, that was a huge spot for African-American girls to get like either the hair they needed, their lip gloss, all that stuff. Like, And so seeing it be burned down 
everybody was looking around like, oh, well, who did it? Who did it? And it's just like, oh, it was an outside source who didn't know what they were doing. So it is like the hub of their community, pretty much. You go down there and there's almost nobody, like, you won't run into somebody. Like, there's always somebody to see down there. And so when things like that happen to such, like, an important part of your community, it's like super just crazy to see because there isn't a place like that on the west side and all the subdivisions like you know we all go to target cool like <laughs> honestly that's like a huge corporation thing nobody like it could be rebuilt and redone in like a second all of uptown stores are like owned they're community owned so people will get are like employed there people own it and stuff like that so watching it pretty much burn or like some of the biggest spots burn is just like you know that it just wasn't us. And every source that has ever talked to me, it's like, well, what do you think of the destruction? My first thing is always, it wasn't us. It wasn't this community. Whoever burned uptown was from either a different state, a different county or something, because not a single person who lives in uptown would burn it down. I feel like the news is doing a terrible job in portraying it because it's crazy that they're so quick to jump to a negative thing. But here we are protesting all these nights and where are those pictures? Where are those statements? Where is that in the newspaper? Right. Like, yeah, they did get a couple of snaps from like, oh yeah, Kenosha peaceful protesting after the shooting of following the shooting of Jacob Blake. Yeah, they did cut a couple of those, but don't forget that we were out there every single night. Like it was just not a one night thing. Right. And that's another thing which get lost in the media. Black Lives Matter is a trend to people that people's livelihoods doesn't revolve around. Mm-hmm. And I would, oh my God, if this was a trend for me, like, when things happen, like George Floyd, for example, everyone was so angry. We did the protest. After the protest, everyone's like, okay, everything's back to normal. Like, no, it's not. And that's not okay. Just because something's not happening right in front of your face doesn't mean there's not other things happening in the world. So then we say that we like on equities on our social media platforms, we try to put that out there. Like things are still happening in the world. If your petitions to sign, repost this on your page, donate if you can. And then everything happened with Jacob Blake and everyone was like, oh my God, this hit home. And then here everyone is back into the trend or trying to make it a trend. And then here we are and no one's talking about it again. Like we really need to stop this up and down, up and down because it's not a trend and it never will be a trend, but people try to make it a trend or whatever everyone's the most talkative about at that point is what everyone will jump on and be a bandwagon to, unfortunately. Yeah, it was so trendy to post a black square that one day. Yeah, and then delete it a week after because it didn't go with the Instagram feed, but I guess. And that just brings up such an important question of how do you teach empathy when something can hit close to home and still people are able to forget about it so soon after? Yeah. It's heartbreaking, honestly, because like, what more can we do? (laughs) We protest. We tell people to go to protest. We post oh my God, however many petitions we post. And then we we don't have Equitine's Snapchat. So we post on our personal Snapchats. We do the links to where people can sign up and sign the petitions. We post GoFundMes. There's just so much. And it's honestly tiring and we will always be tired. And honestly, I feel like we will never not stop being tired over this issue the way mm-hmm. that it's going right now. Yeah. So what would you both want people to know about what community in Kenosha is actually like? It's honestly one of my favorite, like, questions to answer because every, like, journalist who's ever come up to us and asked has been like, so what is it, like, really like here? And it's like, what are you talking about? What is it, like, really like? Like, it's a community. Like, we are actually, like, we actually like each other. You guys point cameras in our face and point fingers and make up a narrative. And then they're like, that's not how it actually is. But I spent a lot of time with a lot of the kids and like the locals over like by the street where Jacob was shot and I think one of the biggest things that you can see is it almost gave them a sense of like the kids were definitely scared I talked to one of these little girls and she was like you know she has brothers and she had her dad and she was telling me how she didn't want that to happen to them and it's like you can't really tell a kid like oh don't worry it won't ever happen to you because they literally like we don't know so that was definitely one of the like a hard conversation to have with her as for like, you know, just like community in general, it's very tight knit now, especially that street I noticed because they're very like open with each other. They talk, they laugh, they know one another by name. Like all of their kids play together. There's like a whole block of just like kids that run around, you know, and I think 
even though it was like that before, it's so much easier to see and it's so much easier to appreciate when like something tragic happens, which is which is definitely like a sad thing, but a sense of community is always necessary to put like a community back together. And since it was already so tight knit, it's almost inspiring to see them not like want to just run back in their houses and hide every time, you know, a cop rolls by. And especially watching like kids like understand it's kind of like when you're young and your parents give you like the police talk and it's like, oh, you know, if a police ever pulls you over, put your hands on the dash, you know, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. They're getting that. But some of them are like three. So the sense of community is definitely there. It's huge. And it's so it's so like pure. It's so nice to see like, you know, our elders and like our young people just interacting together. It's gives like the light in like the darkest time and so you know down there and stuff and and uptown especially watching people just you know walk around minding their business but also being like so connected to their community it's really really cool yeah and honestly i feel like kenosha as a whole honestly we nitpick about everything about kenosha because we're young there's not a lot for us to do but (laughs) kenosha is a beautiful city it is it's absolutely beautiful city it's a lot of things that i've noticed that kenosha has that a lot of other cities don't have especially with like for example our schools a lot of schools don't have the big theatrical productions that we do a lot of schools don't have funding for the arts and Kenosha is actually really known for theater and stuff like that. And I feel like that's just so cool. And just the community as a whole, yeah, like Alana said, has always been really tight knit. And it's just really nice to see that. Like, I've never felt like Kenosha has been horrible or dangerous. You know what I mean? I've always felt comfortable here. I've never felt uncomfortable in Kenosha ever. And how long have the two of you lived in Kenosha? My whole life. I moved here when I was 12. Got it. And so... Alana, you mentioned the fact that, you know, Equitines and the two of you have spoken to media a lot. People have asking, you know, what is Kenosha really like? And recently, both Biden and Trump visited Kenosha. So what have your reactions been to all of this increased national attention that resulted in our two presidential candidates arriving to Kenosha? People will come when things are relevant. People didn't even know where Kenosha was on a map. Let's be real. (laughs) And I really, really, really hope from the bottom of my heart that Trump did not come here for a photo op, then throw a whole bunch of money to be donated just for his reelection. I really hope. Or just for political gain. Biden, as far as him, same thing. Like, I I don't want to say anything about how I feel about any one of them, but just the timing that they came. Yes, I understand he's Trump is our president and it was his place to come to come and like see everything. But like Eber said, I felt like it honestly kind of would have been better without him. Biden, when he came, I really hope that wasn't a photo op either. And then both of them, I just hope they weren't here for a photo op. I really do. Mm-hmm. Because it really is what it seems like. Yeah, it's his place for Trump to donate money to where Uptown needed it. Yes, that's his place. That's what he's supposed to do. And I'm thankful for that 100% because, like I said, Uptown is really, really, really near and dear to Kenosha's heart, our hearts at that. It was just craziness, honestly, for them being here. whole bunch of roads closed off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then for them to come back to back, like, geez. Give yeah. Me- <laughs> and going off of that, you know, you mentioned earlier that you're getting a lot of responses from your peers, from teachers, talking about how great the work is that you're doing. But you both have also mentioned how tired you are and how you will always be tired. And then you have politicians. You know, Barack Obama recently released a video talking about how young people are our hope. And there's so much pressure put on young people. So what are your thoughts on people continuously giving you praise, basically putting the future in your hands, but then not really listening to you oh my gosh it's so crazy especially okay i don't want to call them out but my like almost all my parents my teachers you know everybody they start with this like oh you're so mature you're so like i'm so glad you're doing this i'm so proud of you like somebody needed to take this responsibility and then it's also like sorry you can't be out past nine. It's and it's such a like um one eighty and it's it's almost like 
it's like whiplash it's like okay so can I go lead this protest but do I have to be home by like 8 30 like what is where's the line of like maturity that you're giving me like the like respect because I'm not an adult so I don't have the experience of adult or like I guess you could like I don't get the respect of adult but at the same time I'm doing a lot more than a lot of the adults I know and that's good but also you're a child so there's so much like it's almost like a positive and negative thing because they give you they do give you more credit than like you're used to so like when I first started doing this and people were like coming up to me and like giving me hugs and stuff like that I was like where is this coming from because it's such like a no-brainer thing to fight for and then it's just like on the other side of it it's I'm actually like in school you know I work and stuff like that so balancing so much balancing so much expectation along with school and work it could definitely be stressful you know sometimes you just gotta like take a drive and cry it out for a little or something like that but like (laughs) honestly it's been it's been such an experience to watch all the adults in my life just like start treating me different whether it was like good or bad yeah like the first day of school actually there was a group because we've been in the Kenosha News a couple of times so they were like, they had saw it, I guess. And then our coach, our track coach had also said something, a couple of them just like brought it up and they're like, oh my God, I'm so proud of you, what we're doing and stuff like that. And honestly, we appreciate that and stuff like that. And then also, like I said, there's always negative and bad comments on any social medias because people, I think we've made it more than clear now that we're only four high school teenagers, but I feel like people also don't care because at first we would be bad. Like we would see a negative comment, we'll type a paragraph, send it, they'll respond, we'll respond, they'll respond, we'll just keep going back and forth. And I was like, yeah, we need to stop that. And I think it was one of the girls in the group and we were like, yeah, just turn the comments off, just block them, just delete them, do what you have to do. But definitely, it just, it's crazy. Like, like Alana said, like people just come up to you and hug you and they're like, oh my God, like, who are you? <laughs> and it's, it's good that they know what we're doing and like who we are. But like, at the same time, it's just like taken back and crazy, you know? But yeah, like, oh my God, the summer was freaking crazy town. I worked, Sophia worked, Meredith, she was restricted because of like the whole pandemic going on. And then like everyone just like horrible. I worked full time in the summer. So sometimes they would be off and then I wouldn't be off. And then they would text a lot. So I'll be sitting, excuse me, sitting there trying to read it all. I'll be on the calls literally on my way home from work, just listening, trying to get refreshed. So it's honestly just making sure we have that good group of people because we honestly, the four of us really do work really good together and we check each other when needed and we balance each other out. So I felt like it's really good to have those people because we work around each other, but we really don't try to do anything if more than two of us can't be there because it just wouldn't make sense because it's four of us. And sometimes we just really do have to say no because we can't be at everything. For example, I had a call yesterday with the interviewer and she was trying to do it today. And I was like, hey, I got this going on. Like, can you switch to today? It's just a lot of like trying to figure out your schedule and stuff like that and like flipping it around and seeing what works for everyone. I remember a couple of nights before our Juneteenth process, we were like FaceTiming at like 11 o'clock at night, writing down notes, seeing what we would say, making sure everything was finalized, ready to go, emailing people back. And ask people ask like what needs to be donated. Like it was just so overwhelming because we just didn't really realize everything we were getting into. Never get me wrong, we are more than thankful and grateful for everything. It's just a lot for us to take in. And like we said, we started off with a bigger group, but we did branch off to the four of us because everyone's not ready to be invested. Because literally I would when I tell you I would get out of work, get on my phone, try to read this group chat, try to be caught up, then go home, get on the FaceTime, write notes. Oh my God, it was, it was crazy yeah. town. But I mean, like Alana said, we sometimes you need to just take a drive, break and cry. And that's what you're going to do. But that's what we signed up for. We're not going to be lazy. So that's what we signed up for. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to do it to the best of our extent. Just listening to you say this, and also all this emphasis from older people, adults talking about youth frustrates me so much because it's like, I personally would rather you not waste your time praising me or telling me your thoughts on what I'm doing. Instead, could you just also do it? Because like, exactly, like do your job. Yeah, 100%. And it's just crazy to think, like you said, like people worship us for talking out about these things and doing what we do, leading these protests, being a part of the community and letting Kenosha know what we need to do and what needs to be done. But then when time comes around and we're talking in a group of older people, oh, she's a kid. Mm. Oh, they're kids. Oh, they're juniors. 
Like, you know, like, where's the same energy at? You compliment me about this, this, and this, and this, but you don't want to sit down and have a real conversation about what needs to be done. Yeah. And how we need to change this is what really is issue. Because honestly, when our generation gets into those offices spots, gets to what needs to be done, things will be done. And I really hope so because it's just going to be crazy if my kids, kids, kids have to do the same thing that I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing, you know, they'll be so quick to say, oh, you're so impressive. You're doing such a great job, but not connect the dots that some of the people you're trying to hold accountable are them and they have decision-making power right now. And if they really admire what you're doing, they would also listen to you and put that into practice rather than just saying, oh, like, that's so cute. (laughs) Like, (laughs) look at what they're up to. And the thing is, we can't vote. I'm I'm literally six. I turned 17 soon. But still, I just started driving. I can't vote. I can't, like, I really, really, really can't do as much as they can do. And I'm still doing more than what they're doing, if that makes sense. And it's just so crazy to actually think and see that. So, like, literally on Equitines, our um, Instagram page, we'll constantly talk about voting, voting, voting. Like, please vote. And none, one, four of us can vote. Like, none of us can vote. But we're literally begging people to vote, like go out and vote. Like that is so important. Mm -hmm. And do you feel like not being able to vote drives you to find other ways to participate? Honestly, I really didn't even think about that until now because I've never been able to vote. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I've always been like, okay, what else can I do? Like, how else can I help? And that's where those, what we were talking about earlier, those petitions, those reposting, those hashtags, like learning their names, learning their stories learning what their story was is so important I guess yeah voting wise so my sister just turned 18 and I was like yeah like go vote and it it didn't really hit me then and so I was like because I don't really do a lot of things because I can't vote I just do them like because I can do them but when I when I told her like yeah go vote it was like it kind of hit me like people who can vote are still teenagers so like technically we'll still be equitines until we're 19 adults and like voting and stuff like that. And I think doing things because we can't vote or like just doing things instead of voting, it's, it's like definitely important, but you know, we, we have been like, you know, advocating for voting and it's pretty much one of the only ways you can directly impact the system like head on is through voting. So yeah, that's why we advocate so much for it. Mm-hmm. And I know you also mentioned your parents setting a curfew when you're going to protest. So I was wondering if you two could talk a little bit more about how your families have perceived the work that you're doing. Are they proud? Are they worried? Do they want you to focus on your Zoom school? Like, what's the situation? <laughs> I'd say it's a little bit of everything, honestly. When I had first started, I hadn't even told my parents. <laughs> I hadn't even told them. They showed me the flyer of our first protest and like, oh, are you going to go to this? And I was like, mom, like I'm planning that. And she's like, oh, like, <laughs> okay. You know, it, it didn't, it wasn't really like a formal conversation. And so a lot of it, that's how it's been. It's kind of been like, oh, I have this, this day, just letting you know. It hasn't been like a fight to do anything. It's more of been a fight for like information because as tiring as it is to like go out and march and stuff like that, <laughs> it's almost as tiring as like telling your parents everything that you have to do. It's like a weird balance between having to like tell them and having to ask them because, you know, your parents are always like, well, are you asking me or are you telling me like, well, I'm telling you, but I'm, I'm also asking mm-hmm. you. It's like, <laughs> it's a hard balance to find because they've been supportive. They've a hundred percent been supportive. You know, my mom is, um, Mexican and my dad's black so they're both very like supportive of you know fighting for minorities and stuff like that but I think our biggest struggle honestly is like is definitely communication and it's safety because you know I'm ready to go out into a riot you know tear gas and all that stuff and they're like like you can't (laughs) and it's it's like even though you want to do things we're all still underage and we're all still like half of us can't drive so (laughs) it's definitely Um, hard to find a balance there but my family like my whole family has been nothing but supportive Mm -hmm. and I'm kind of like honestly opposite because my mom and I like my mom is my best friend so I tell her everything and she was just so proud of like everything that our group Equitine was doing 
And my mom knows a lot of people in Kenosha. So um, Tanya, a really big port and first contact person that we came, Equitines came in with, she leads a lot of, lot of things down here. And she was one of the Equitine contacts when we were reaching out, asking for help. Same thing with Brandon. So we Zoomed them kind of like asking for like help with our protests and like just key pointers and like what really we need to have done. Like I was saying before, Meredith was the one who was just like, guys, we need to do this, this, and this. So we got on FaceTime with them and we asked them, hey, how do we make this legit? How do people take us seriously? And they answer those questions. So my mom knew her and I, I had totally forgot that she knew her. And she was like, hey, I was on Zoom with Heaven today. And it was just kind of crazy because my mom's like, oh yeah, she's doing this. She's part of this group. But yeah, she loves it. She comes out to um, most of the events that I go to just because like safety wise. But as far as curfew, she always wanted me at home. Like Alana said, it's always like the curfew thing. And honestly, I can see her point. But at the same time, me and Alana are so strong headed. Like we want to go out to everything. Like we want to see everything. We want to see the chaos. We want to be a part of the chaos. Like we want our voices to be heard. But she always came with me most of the time. Sometimes she goes by herself. Sometimes I go by myself. It's just like a safety thing that I'm pretty sure that is why she wanted me home when there were curfews. And especially because they were getting like bizarre the last couple of days and arresting people and like everything. So I was like, you know what? I'll go home. Like, but yeah, every and everyone in my family is supportive as well. They all love what Equitines is doing and they're really proud of mm-hmm. us. I'm glad that you talked a little bit about how much planning went into getting Equitines off the ground. I think a lot of people don't realize how much work goes into organizing, how much planning goes into creating an event event, whether that's a supply drop, whether it's a protest. And, you know, people don't just show up or appear out of nowhere. They're highly organized events. So can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you've learned and maybe some pointers you would give to someone who is looking to get more involved in organizing and activism and what it looks like to set up an event that moves well? Have a good group. Make sure your group of people has a strong head on their shoulders so like so passionate about the topic or whatever you want to be a um, activist for like just so about it make sure they know what they're talking about make sure they know their research if they don't like educate them um I feel like that's really important and also we have different perspectives on things but we all agree on everything if that makes sense so Alana Sophia or Meredith might see something that I don't see But if I explain it or talk to them about it and we like all talk about it, they're like, oh yeah, maybe we should look at it that way. It's all, like I said, step one, having a good group. Step two, make sure you guys know the mission you want to be accomplished. For Equitines, we wanted to spread awareness. We wanted to do protests. We wanted to um, really get people our age, our peers to be really interested in stuff like this and make them know the problems going on three, I think that's what I was on. You really want to be very, very, very organized and just really make sure you have people willing to work. Like when I say we had jobs, people were doing things every single day, but we still made our deadlines, still were on Zoom calls with people, making connections. Like we have tons of like connections now from just meeting people when we go to protests as well. And then be like, oh my God, you guys are equal teens. Let me get your name. Let me get your number. I'll be in contact with you. Or like, Teachers from KOSD who will be like, oh my God, I love what you guys are doing. They DM'd us and they're like, hey, how can we do, Um, I believe it was diversity training. Like, what do you think about this? Yada, yada, yada. And they DM us about that. Like, And it's good at the same time because we're opening up this pool of conversation that people before might not wanted to do because they didn't know who to do it with. And honestly, just making sure that everything is tight-knit. And making sure that everyone gets along too at the same time and making sure that no matter what, you guys will stay focused. As for like attending and contacts and stuff like that, I think it's really important. And something I honestly didn't learn until a little bit later was talk to the head person. Whenever you're going to either help out or go to or want to get in contact with somebody, talk to the either the organizer of the event or like somebody who knows is very very close with the organizer something that we I think we used to do a lot that we kind of leaned away from was kind of just like random pop-up events that weren't organized and didn't really like have any like plan to them because when we plan we talk about it a lot we usually have like usually like a good (laughs) solid debate about you know times and places stuff like that I've seen a few protests and I've like seen a few flyers where 
people will just put a name, a date, and um like a location and just like hope for the best. There's no background planning. There's no like introduction. There's no schedule. And a schedule is so important because even if you are a little bit behind or a little bit before schedule, you have the flow of the evening like in front of you because if something goes wrong, you know where to go next. Or if you want to just take something completely out, you know where to do that. You know how to do that. And it's just probably one of the biggest things that you need is a schedule if you're going to plan an event. And another thing we were big on was like self-reflect. Like after the day after our first protest, we talked about everything that happened, things that we liked, things we didn't like, things that went on. And honestly, we were so proud of ourselves. Like that was a such good turnout. Mm -hmm. And I was proud of us. Like it was just so Mm -hmm. good. And like, so like, oh my God, our hard work paid off. All those freaking crazy calls and crazy nights and notes and, you know, but yeah, it's just good to see everything just come into one. That brings me to another question that I had. So, you know, you've talked about how some of your classmates aren't as involved as they could be, even if they should have good reason to be. And you bring up great points about how neither of you are old enough to vote. Some of you can't drive. You have other jobs. You have other obligations. And yet there are still people who are making excuses for not being involved. But then there are other people who just aren't really sure where to start. Some things I've heard are, you know, there's so much, I don't really know where is best for me in the movement, or some people thinking that it's too late, or others being intimidated. So what are some of your responses to folks who do want to get involved, but aren't really sure where to start? Our first protest, people, a lot of people were like messaging us, and they're like, how can we help if we can't be there? A lot of people donated water. A lot of people made pins. A lot of people were talking about um, trying to donate masks. Unfortunately, those didn't get here in time, but it was a thought, you know. This actually a high schooler, her and her friend had made, I want to say like 50 posters and we just went and picked them up because they couldn't make it. I believe that was like a parent issue though. Cause like I said, we're still young. Like we're still teenagers. So we have like parents are thinking. Mm-hmm. So, but they had made posters. Not only did they make posters, they like sprayed it with hairspray, I believe. So they wouldn't run if it was raining, like literally just over the top. And then we were able to give those out during our protest. So honestly, and like I said, if you can't be at a protest, if you don't know where to start, the best thing is to always start the conversation. Do you believe in this? Is it something you feel passionate about? It's as easy as literally just reposting you can start there. Reposting the post that you see, because I'm sure you see one about a petition, about a hashtag, about any injustice against African-Americans is something going around. I can tell you that right now. And then signing those because a lot of people just skip right past them. Like sign it. It means something. It's just like voting. Like your voice matters. Your signature matters. And like I said, donating is also amazing, but everyone can do that. So just do what you can do. And then people think that donating water is little. You don't understand what you just helped. You know what I mean? Anything that you do to support our movement is helping the big movement. Yeah. Um, something I'd say is definitely research. And just if you don't, if you feel like you don't know enough, look it up. When I moved here, well, I moved from a extremely white neighborhood and I didn't know anything about black culture pretty much, but I was in middle school. I was like sixth grade. So like 12. And although I hadn't experienced like straight discrimination yet, I was like around people who didn't look like me. And even though at the time, you know, we were running around with like toddlers and stuff like that, they don't really like notice it. You know, you grow up and you see, oh, like we are actually different. And it's definitely something I had to learn was, I almost had to learn black culture, but I did it through black culture. So sometimes the easiest thing to do is go straight to the source because they they can tell you how to advocate. They can tell you how to, um, you know, help their community or our community. And it definitely made it easier for me, at least, when I actually started spending a lot of time in Uptown to, like, really get a feel for, like, okay, like, how was it actually like? And I think that's kind of the, like, a huge, huge point is just, like, is experience. So, like, through just being there and connection and community through like research and also kind of experience so if there's just something you don't know honestly the easiest thing to do is to just look it up or research it or ask you know somebody you think would know and like don't be afraid to be wrong sometimes because the only way to learn is through you know mistakes Mm -hmm. exactly 
It sounds like both of you have been having a lot of conversations with people who disagree with you, whether that's in person or via social media. And so I know you've mentioned that now you don't allow comments, you don't respond to people as much. Where did you draw that line? And how have you figured out what's worth, which conversations are worth having and which aren't? I believe it was when we posted something about Alana, correct me if I was wrong, if it was about Jacob Blake and someone was saying that he shouldn't have walked away. He deserved what happened to him, basically, was the lines. Um, If you resist arrest, this is what happens to you. First off, okay, yikes. Wow. The fact that you even think like that is mind-blowing. And it's so crazy because, honestly, I can understand why people think that's okay because you see it happen so many times and nothing's being done. Nothing's being corrected. I feel like if something happens, anything happens, and the police's first response is to take out a deadly weapon, maybe you should go back to the academy. Because I don't think that it was enough training for you, and maybe you fear for your life, but that's a crazy thing. That's what they fear. They fear black skin. You can't really remove that. It's just mind-blowing. And I mean, I just feel like people don't know what tasers are anymore or any strategies that they learned in the academy. And on top of that, if he was, say he was walking away, he shoots him one time, he's down. If you shoot someone seven times, I don't care. You are shooting them to kill. You should never have shot him seven times in his back at that. Like, did you think he was going to get up? What was going through your head? And it's so crazy because a lot of people do think that if people resist arrest, you're supposed to shoot them. A lot of people do think that. Like, a lot of people think that's normal. And that just shows you... This is a problem. That is not normal. That is not okay. Like, there's no reason in the world that anyone should be scared of the police. They're supposed to be safe. They're they're supposed to keep us safe. Like, that is their job description, to serve and protect. None of us should be scared of them. And it's just really heartbreaking to even have, to have, like Alana said, the talk with my brother. Like, that is heartbreaking. But yeah, that was a conversation was, and I was kind of like, wow. And there's honestly been probably worse, to be honest. But when I tell you that one post, I believe it was you, Alana. Did you post that, the seven shot, that that the Black Serena, the, that quote? Meredith posted it. Meredith posted that post, and that post went crazy. Like 20,000 plus likes. It was everywhere. And then um, after that, that's when the comments started rolling in. And honestly, I saw some things, saw didn't see other things. Alana saw things, Meredith saw things, Sophia saw things. And we were kind of like, I'm kind of sick of this. So that post is the first post that I believe we said no comments on. And we didn't say no comments on all of them, just that one post. Because then people were like arguing with each other. And we get a notification every time someone responds back to someone else. And they're kind of going back and forth about what the person had said about him deserving basically to be attempted to be murdered because of him walking away. And I was kind of like, people, it kind of hit me too. Like people really think this way. Yeah. And a lot of these you kind of have to take with like, you have to take with some humor almost. Like sometimes we'll see one that's just so, it's just, none of them are ever funny, but it's so crazy that all you can do is laugh. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes (laughs) people send us like threats and it's like, (laughs) we're coming to get you and they're using like emojis and it's like come on man (laughs) like what are you talking about it's just it's it's like cool see you at eight something yeah right (laughs) it's something you have to just totally sometimes you just have to like brush them off because it's different when they're telling you like oh people deserve deserve to be like killed deserve to be shot like that that's totally different than when people are like yeah, you suck. It's kind of, it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry you feel that way, but <laughs> it's just, it's such a weird experience because for me, at least I had never experienced like this kind of level of hate and such like of, um, kind of like a, a targeted kind of hate because, mm-hmm. you know, people can think you're like ugly and be like, oh, you're ugly. And that's like, okay, like cool. But like when somebody's like, doesn't stand for the fact that you deserve to live, it's definitely a different, like, deeper it doesn't like it's not as much as like like a sharp pain as like a dull pain because it's like it hits you like deep right and it's like well Mm -hmm. dang like sometimes they do definitely affect you like when we first started and we first started getting hate comments and stuff like that we we, like had a conversation we're like what are we doing like it definitely makes you question everything you do and Mm -hmm. then you have to you just definitely have to like get through that first part because 
although we do get comments that like hit us hard sometimes it's just like best to like delete them and move on or like mute them or block them and move on mm-hmm. and like i was saying before that's the thing of with having um the three of them it's like it's honestly a really good support system too that's really important you need to make sure you have but yeah like the comment she said about like we're coming to get you something like that she sent it to the group chat mm-hmm. and i was like are you kidding me like where you've been in the Kenosha news how many times if you wanted to at this point just meet us at a protest like it's crazy and it's sad like what are you gonna do kidnap us like kill us like it's <laughs> over protesting for social inequities in the united states like wow like please focus on bigger issues in the world than kidnapping us right now it's just plus you know that they think all black people look the same anyway so truly how would they find you <laughs> no literally <laughs> no literally. it's it's like sad but it's so weird to just be like for them to just say things like that because it's in every race and you know there's the whole i think the biggest one is like asian um people eastern asian people they they're like oh my god all of them look the same and stuff like that but it's kind of for everyone and i think white people don't realize how or ignorant white people let me say don't realize how similar you look when you share a race with somebody just in general like white people look so similar you know when you see like a couple that look really similar it's like oh my god like you and your brother are so like oh my god yeah oh that's my boyfriend it's like oh sorry are you siblings or are you dating game is something i play all the time (laughs) yes or you're like oh my gosh okay this is kind of off topic but i went to milwaukee once with my mom and i saw this these people walking down the road and he like grabbed her arm and kissed her and it shocked me so hard (laughs) because i thought they were siblings you were like what is this game of thrones (laughs) i I, oh my god and my mom was like what and i was like i thought those were literal (laughs) siblings like it was so (laughs) scary for a second and i was like oh they're just dating that is so crazy i'm dying oh my god it was uh that's so funny (laughs) only alana it was it was such an experience it was definitely like some out of body experience (laughs) i I could but also going back to social media just hearing the two of you talk about the seven bullets post um, was something that I saw circulated a lot too. just brings up how social media is such a double edged sword because you've been able to disseminate so much important information, but also are on the receiving end of all of these awful comments and messages that really make you question, is this what I should be doing? And is this like worth the effort? Definitely is. And the thing is, I feel like it would have been different for us if it was more of like positive, but 90% was negative on that post. And it was kind of like, we were just drained. It was not even worth like reading anymore. But yeah. And I know, haven't you talked a little bit about this, having hope in the future for, first of all, the election and the importance of voting. And then for when the two of you and the rest of the Equitines team is in leadership positions and making bigger decisions, that the world will be different for people. So what else gives you hope and what keeps you driven in this work? Honestly, Equitines gives me hope. Us four give me hope. That's really my biggest thing, like just seeing us keep going. And and I, I say that a lot, but that's something really to stress. Like people have to understand we really are just juniors. In, well, we were sophomores when we started this, mm-hmm. honestly. We were sophomores in high school when we started this. We're juniors now. And that's just really, 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 like that speaks volumes by itself. I really hope that, we are getting our point across. I pray that we are giving the proper awareness that we plan to where we want to. And honestly, for the future, I just, like I said, we're tired. And I hope that it does get better. But I mean, it's always going to be baby steps. And honestly, I'm okay with baby steps if something positive happens. But the thing is, nothing positive has happened. But something needs to change. So I would just, I just really want something to change. Yeah, Equitines is a huge part. I also think, like, I know we just talked about this. I think our youth, so, like, children, like, the children that are younger than us and, like, really young, I think that since it's such a huge topic that everybody's talking about, they are now aware of the things that are going on. And so, although it's not it's not my place and it's not a place I want to put them in to start advocating and like doing all this activism. I think it might be simpler for them because they know now, like this is what's going on. This is like how we can help and stuff like that. And I feel like they've been 
started with kind of like a better mindset and like um more education on the issue and on the subject so hopefully this is my like what keeps me hopeful is that they will learn from our mistakes and how we're learning from everybody else's 100 percent. i would never want someone to be exactly like echo teens if there was a group to be like us like another group to be like us in like 10 years i want them to be better you know Follow Equitine Kenosha on all platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can catch up with the latest or you can see the awareness, some of the awareness, inside on the awareness that we're trying to spread. Don't be afraid to hit us up, honestly. <laughs> we are always open to point you in the right direction or to like let you know what, what's the latest and stuff like that. So if you ever want to know, just like send us a DM and we'll answer it. If you're a fan of Gen BIPOC, subscribe to us on your podcast app, share this episode with your friends and family, and give us a rating or leave a review for future listeners. And if you or someone you know wants to share their story on this podcast, don't hesitate to reach out. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Gen BIPOC Pod, and visit genbipocpod.com to stream more episodes and provide feedback. We'd love to hear from you.